0: Folks, this day is a day of joy, amen? Amen. A day of rejoicing, a day of uh, appreciating the gifts that God has given us. A day to come together and fellowship in the presence of the Lord, amen? I really appreciate what Adrian played. Do you guys know the name of the song? Abide with me, amen? We want Jesus to abide with us. So as we jump into this message... We're going to be needing to pray and ask that God's angels would be here in a very special way. The name of the sermon is called Paranormal Activity, and this is not about women. I know a, a couple weeks ago I preached about godly men, and there was a huge demand to preach about women. And so if you thought that when you saw this sign he must be talking about women, I want to let you know you're wrong. We're going to be talking about something else. Perhaps in the future, we're going to address this issue, what the Bible says about godly women. Amen? Amen. And folks, we need to know what God's will is, especially for these times. You know, it's very interesting. In writing this sermon, I was thinking about Halloween. Halloween. Now, if you mention that word in some Adventist circles, you could be stoned. But uh, here's the thing. I just want to give you a bit of advice when it comes to Halloween. Okay? There, there's multiple ways in way in which you can deal with Halloween. The first is do what some people do, and that is they decide to take a trip to Lake Tahoe during that uh, day, and uh, so they need to show that they don't participate in Halloween. And so by not answering the door and letting everybody know you're not home, you're a witness for Christ. Some witness. The second option is this, is that you, when little kids come to your door, dressed like little vampires and little demons, you can decide at that very moment whether or not you're going to be a Christian. You know how you can decide whether or not you're going to be a Christian? In the way you treat little children. So this is my recommendation for those who are going to stay at home. Go to the local, the nearest Trader Joe's and buy the healthiest candy that you can buy. Fine. You buy it. You pay the extra $3 and you buy the extra, the most healthiest candy you can find. And then attach a glow around it. This is going to take probably a couple hours to prepare. And that when little kids come to your door and say trick or treat, you say, well, I'm so glad that you're here and just drop off that piece of candy there. That's what i recommend. The third option is this. If you're somebody who is uh, uh, very bent on taking your kids trick-or-treating, I want to recommend that you do something productive. And that is this. You don't dress up your kids like a, a ghoulish monster or a vampire or a ghost. You dress them up like you can be a shepherd or a little sheep or John the Baptist or something like that. And, uh, You go out, instead of collecting candy, collect cans for the needy. You know, a few years ago, we took the kids out, and we did that. We couldn't find any costumes, so we went into the youth room, or the children's room, we found these shepherd's clothes. And so I dressed up like a shepherd. I carried this giant uh, fuzzy sheep. And uh, my friend Godfrey, the pastor of the Modesto Central at that time, he dressed as a shepherd, and some of the kids dressed in robes. And we went uh, door to door, and we were asking people, when they said, all right, ready for some candy? We said, no, actually, we're here to collect some cans. And they said, cans? Cans for what? Cans for people who are in need. And so there was this awkward moment, and then they walk away and come back with a can of, like, peas. And then, you know what's really interesting? They say, why are you doing this? And we tell them, well, we're collecting cans because we believe Jesus wants us to help out the needy. Folks, I'll tell you this. You can completely ignore the situations around us. Or you can try to make a good thing come out of something bad. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, I'm sure somebody will send me an email later today. (laughs) So, why don't we begin with a word of prayer and let's ask Jesus to be here in a very special way. I'll tell you this, what we're going to be talking about this morning is going to be something that we're really going to need the angels of God. You know, Ellen White says, unless the angels of God come and push Satan back, this message cannot come out with power. Obviously, we're going to be talking about spiritualism here, but it's very important that our hearts and minds are in tune with what the Spirit is trying to communicate to us. Amen? So let's bow our heads. I'm going to give you a word of silence, and I want you to pray and say, Jesus, we want your angels to be here. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. We know that your angels are already with us, and Lord, we pray you would send more. God, we know that unless Satan is pushed back, we cannot understand what you're trying to communicate to us about the future. And why this message is extremely important, especially around these times. Jesus, we pray and ask for wisdom, clarity, understanding. Lord, especially do we pray for the Holy Spirit. We want to lay aside all our offenses, lay aside all the things that bug us and annoy us. And Jesus, right now, we want to pray For the sweet spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. The name of the sermon is called Paranormal Activity. I'm going to tell you a scary story. I'm going to tell you a what? A scary story. And the name of this scary story is called The Fox Sisters. The name of the scary story is called The Fox Sisters. And what happens is this. There was a city by the name of Hyderville, located in New York. That city no longer exists. But around the 1800s, there was this family, the Fox family, and they had three daughters. One of the daughter's name was Margaret, another one was Leah, and the other one was Kate. And these three daughters, they lived in one room while the parents lived in another room. They lived out in a nice country shack that was located into the country. Not too many people who lived close by. And so you can imagine these three girls were oftentimes playmates of each other. Not too much to do out into the country. And so while the father was away at work, these girls would begin to be curious with all sorts of things, and they began to do all sorts of unusual things. Something strange took place one night. They started to hear a weird sound and it was coming from underneath the house. And it sounded like this. Well, they got up, and they raced over to their mom and their dad, and they said, hey, something's up. We're hearing this strange, unusual sound. And the parents said, go back to sleep. Well, the next night, they started to hear this weird, strange sound. And they didn't know what to do. And every night they would hear this weird, unusual sound. Some people call it a a rapping. And they would hear this weird rapping. And at night, they would be completely frustrated by this sound. Until one of the girls decides to do something else. When she was hearing that loud sound, she decides at that very moment, she said this, Mr. Splitfoot, if you can hear us, I want you to respond to my knocking. And she went like this. And then there was silence. And all of a sudden. And what began at that moment was a series of communication that took place between these girls known as the Fox sisters and with this invisible entity Soon, a sort of system of understanding of communication began to take place. One knock represented yes, two knocks represented no. And as they began to communicate with this, this being or whatever it was, all of a sudden they started getting notoriety and people started to come out to find out and uh, try to understand this strange phenomenon that was taking place around the 1840s. Well, what happened as the girls began to develop this communication with this invisible entity, they found out that this thing had a name. And its name was Charles Rosmer. Charles what? Rosmer. And as they begin to communicate with Charles Rosmer, the mother began to chime in on this, and she had certain questions that she wanted to ask. And one of the questions that she asked this invisible entity that was in this house She said, how many children do I have? And she heard a certain amount of knocks. But here's the thing. She heard one more knock than the amount of children she had. She had five children. There was two other boys. But she heard six knocks instead of five. And she thought, that was strange. I guess this thing doesn't really tell the truth. It doesn't know what's going on. Until she remembered something that she had another child when she was younger, and the child died. And she began to get blown away by this thing, and all of a sudden, people began to inquire more and more about this, and as these girls began to communicate with this being that was in their house, all of a sudden, they began to find out more about this Charles Rosmer. They found out that he was a man or a spirit of a man that had been murdered six years prior in that house. And so as they were going about this, and trying to understand more about this Charles Rosmer, it wasn't until a few years later that they moved out of their house that when they began to excavate that house, they found skulls there. Someone who had been murdered there and was buried in the walls of the cellar. And so this began something unusual. What you you find with the Fox sisters was the origin of something called spiritualism. This began the the phenomenon known as spiritualism and it exploded, went across the United States into Europe and there are millions of followers today of spiritualism. In fact, if you were to go to the grave of the Fox sisters, one thing you will find is this placard there and this is what it says. Spiritualism of the world in commemoration of the advent of modern spiritualism and a tribute to mediumship. The rock iron which demonstrates spiritualism forever stands. Now pay attention to these two last lines. There is no death, there are no dead. Now pay attention to that one more time. There is no death, and there are no dead. And what began here was the explosion of this phenomenon known as spiritualism, and it spread across the United States, spread across the entire world. And a lot of people began to become very interested in this idea of spiritualism. Now, if you were to go to somebody and say, what is the definition of spiritualism, some people might say this, some people might say that. But if you go, one of the things you'll find consistently regarding the definition of spiritualism, spiritualism is the communication with spirits who are of another world. In fact, if you were to look at what's called the principles or the common sort of uh, denominators between a lot of different spiritualists, it's this. Right here, you're going to see uh, the various tenets of spiritualism, and this is what it is. Belief that the soul continues to exist after the death of a physical body. Belief in spirit communication. Belief that there is personal responsibility for life circumstances. Belief that after death, it is possible for souls to learn and to improve. And a belief in God often referred to as an infinite intelligence. These are the common denominators among people who practice spiritualism. In fact, I spent nearly an hour there, and it was very awkward and frustrating. I was watching the Spiritualist Network television channel. And they themselves attribute their origin of spiritualism to the Fox sisters. They said, if you want to know about spiritualism and how it began, it began where the Fox sisters were. And what took place there exploded and became a sort of mutated version of spiritualism today. And it has taken many forms. But one thing I want you to understand is that the Bible expressly forbids spiritualism. And there are certain reasons why. And as we begin to understand this topic of spiritualism, folks, I want to tell you something right now. Seventh-day Adventists know enough about spiritualism. I want to say this one more time. Seventh-day Adventists know enough about spiritualism where you think to yourself, it's harmless. You hear what I just said? Seventh-day Adventists know enough about spiritualism to the point where they think it's harmless. Now, I'm not saying they don't think that it's dangerous. But their very actions with spiritualism would indicate that they think that it's harmless. That they know enough about the dangers of spiritualism that they can avoid with, avoid spiritualism, play around with spiritualism, dabble in spiritualism, become curious with spiritualism. ...and think that it's not going to affect them. By the way, you want to know what the first deception of spiritualism is? That spiritualism is harmless. You hear what I just said? The first deception of spiritualism is that spiritualism is harmless. I want you to remember that. The first deception of spiritualism is that spiritualism is harmless. That communicating with these so-called entities... ...that uh, in believing these type of things... It's not really dangerous. Folks, I want you to understand something about the Bible and what the Bible says. It's very interesting. If you were to do actually a study, what you will find out that there are certain principles of spiritualism that have their foundation from a certain story in the Bible. Does anybody know what story that is in the Bible? Well, it's obvious. It's the story of Adam and Eve, right? And what was the devil's lie to Eve? You shall not what? Die. Now, I want you to pay attention to that. That was the first lie that the devil brought upon Eve, and that lie has, has exploded and become part of nearly every single world religion. In fact, if you were to go to the Hindu religions, the Hindus believe that there is an immortal soul. You go to the Buddhists, and Buddhism believes that there is an immortal soul. You go to Catholicism, Catholicism believes in an immortal soul. You go to most A Protestantism, most Protestantism believes in an immortal soul. There's only a few group of, uh, just a, a small population of people who believe in the Bible who do not believe that the soul is immortal. In fact, if you were to look at sort of the philosophy about this idea about an immortal soul, that you do not die, that you live for eternity in some form, in some stage, I want you to understand what the tenets or the foundational philosophy is of this understanding right here. Number one, that sin does not have consequences. You hear what I just said? That sin does not have consequences. It doesn't matter what I do or how I live my life, I'm going to live forever. Number two, that God is a liar. When God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die, to do counter, or to believe counter, is to call God a liar. Number three, that we are demigods. You hear what I just said about the third thing? Now, this didn't occur to me until I was studying this out actually the last few days. A foundational belief of spiritualism or this idea of an immortal soul comes from this understanding that we are demigods. By the way, what what was the temptation that the devil brought to Adam and Eve? You shall be like gods, knowing good and evil. You know, it's very interesting, I was watching one of these uh, sort of excerpt from this well-known spiritualist, and she said something very interesting that chimed in exactly with what this is. She said this, you know, the very fact that I can communicate with these spirits, the very fact that I can communicate with these beings from another world, she says, you begin to feel something about yourself, you begin to understand something, and it is this, this is what she said, that you are invincible. Those were her exact words that you are invincible. Did you know that one of our uh, old presidents of Southern Adventist University, it's a great school, I love it, and uh, he was one day was sitting down, and it occurred to him, he knew one day that he was going to eventually deal with this topic of spiritualism in his ministry. But one day while he was sitting down, he was reading a very interesting book. And this book said this, this is Education, page 227.6. This is what it says. Spiritualism asserts men are unfallen, what? Demigods, that each mind will judge itself, that true knowledge places men above all law, that all sins committed are innocent, for whatever is, is right. And God does not condemn the basis of human beings it represents as being in heaven and highly exalted there. Thus declares to all men, it matters not what you do, live as you please, heaven is your home. Multitudes are led to believe that the desire, that desire is the highest law, that license, license, excuse me, is liberty, and that a man is accountable only to himself. And one day, as he was reading this, it dawned on him, and he shares this story about how he was just reading this book, Education, and then as he was reading about these principles of spiritualism, it occurred to him. This is what spiritualism is teaching. Not just the experience of seeing, like, your dead relatives appear to you, but it is the underlying philosophy that comes with spiritualism. And it is this, that you are demigods, that there is no judgment. It doesn't make a difference how you live. There is no accountability in life. And folks... It occurred to him, and one day, this is really interesting. As he was reading this, and as it was dawning on him, all of a sudden his wife turns to him and says, you look like you've seen a ghost. And he says, well, as a matter of fact, I think I did. You know what's very interesting We need to understand more about spiritualism because I really believe that the devil does not want us to understand this. You know, I preached this last weekend about the great controversy, and I preached three different sermons about the great controversy, and I challenged the kids to read the great controversy. Did you know that as she was writing the great controversy, that she was almost murdered? Are you aware of that? That she was almost murdered in writing the great controversy, as God had given her a vision and shown her the things that are taking place that are going to happen in the future, including this understanding of spiritualism, that as she was writing, all of a sudden, half her body went numb, and this occurred several times. She had another vision, and in her vision, she saw that the devil was trying to kill her, that he was trying to take her life, because he knew that this book called The Great Controversy was exposing him. And folks, sad to say this. There are people who have been Seventh-day Adventists for 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 8, uh, 11 years and haven't read A Great Controversy. Folks, I want to urge you today. If you got some time after church service, after potluck, you take your little nap, you go to outreach, I want to challenge you to read two chapters in The Great Controversy today. You ready for them? Number one the agency of evil spirits, and number two, can our dead speak to us? You hear what I just said? Remember those two chapters? The agency of evil spirits, and number two, the what? Can our dead speak to us? Now watch what the Bible says right here in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. I want you to pay attention to these clear Bible verses, and you're going to see this appear three different times in Leviticus, because God is trying to place an emphasis on the people who had come out of Egypt. And look what the Bible says right here, give no regards to mediums and what? Familiar spirits, do not seek after them to be defiled by them, I am the Lord your God. When God states I am the Lord your God after a commandment, he is being serious. You'll find in certain commandments that he'll add that sort of caveat at the very end, I am the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, I am the Lord your God. And he states that phrase because he wants people to understand, look, I am your God. I want you to follow me. I have good reasons for this. Now, the Bible says right here something very interesting in Leviticus. It says, give no regard to mediums and to what? Familiar spirits. Do you know what the root word of the word familiar is? It's a common word. Family. Do you know what the word familiar actually means in the Hebrew? It means to call out to your father. Now, I want you to pay attention to the warning given in Leviticus, and it is this do not contact or go after people who can call up spirits of departed, of the departed that you may be acquainted with. Do not go after these beings that may look like your father, talk like your father, and act like your father. The Bible is actually placing a a very definite warning upon people who do this. Because God is trying to teach Israel, look, you don't want to contact these beings. You don't want to go after these things because you're not contacting demons or you're not contacting uh, the spirits of your beloved. You're contacting the devil himself. And the Bible gave explicit warning about this. In fact, look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6. You find nearly the same thing said again. And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against them and cut them off from his people. God knew that these people who are messing around with these demons, what they would do is they would carry back this thinking, this, this philosophy from these, these uh, evil spirits, bring it right back into the camp, and all of a sudden the camp would be seduced itself into idolatry. In fact, if you read Psalms, you'll find out the Bible says that they weren't sacrificing to idols. They were not sacrificing to gods. They were sacrificing to demons. And what are demons? Fallen angels. Watch this other warning found in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27. A man or woman who is a medium who has a familiar spirit shall be put to death. They shall stone them with souls. Their blood shall be upon them. Folks, I want you to understand the gravity of what is being said here. Now you might think to yourself, well, why is God being so judgmental here? Folks, because an entire nation was at stake. Do you remember when Saul, the king of Israel, went after that, went after that medium and that witch? What, what did she say? She said, you're going to die. She led Saul into believing certain things. And you know what Saul did? He ended up dying and taking much of the army of Israel into death as well. Do you see why God gives very strong warnings? He is trying to tell the people, I don't want you to be part of this. I want you to stay away from this. But praise the Lord, as Seventh-day Adventists, we know what the Bible teaches about these things. And therefore, we're no longer in any way susceptible to these things. That is where the, the error takes place. Remember what I said to you about the first deception of spiritualism? It is believing that spiritualism is what? Harmless. Harmless. I know enough about spiritualism, I'm going to be okay. I know how, what my limits are, I know enough just to dabble into it a little bit. Now you think to yourself, well, I don't go to psychics, I don't go to wizards. Let me ask you a good question. Do you watch that stuff? Do you watch that stuff? I don't participate in seeing these sort of sexual sins of these actors, but I like watching it. You're just as guilty. Folks, remember what I said to you about the first deception of spiritualism? It's believing that it's harmless, that I know what the boundaries are that I can deal with it. You know, one day, I had a, uh, well, I had a neighbor, and this neighbor had a, a Rottweiler. Now, I don't like Rottweilers. I apologize if you have a Rottweiler, but I don't like Rottweilers because every time I see them, I always think about that one Rottweiler that bit me. But I'd always see this Rottweiler, I'd always look over the fence, and I'd always see this thing, and I would see the owner teaching this Rottweiler how to bite. And he'd always train the Rottweiler just to be a really good guard dog and wrestle with it while, the, while that Rottweiler was just clinched to his arm. Well, I knew that this dog was not a safe dog. So I, being the brilliant teenager that I was, decided to go with my friend who lived there and to go hang out in the backyard with this Rottweiler. Unfortunately, what took place is that that Rottweiler almost ended up killing me. It bit my arm, and then when I took off from it, it grabbed the back of my coat and was trying to drag me down. This thing was wanting to finish me off. But folks, I want you to understand something. There's a Rottweiler far worse than Kodiak who lived next door to me, and it's called spiritualism. Spiritualism. Now we're going to look at something very interesting. Look at Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Look what the Bible says right here. It's very interesting. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a, what, dragon. Is this talking about the first beast mentioned in Revelation 13 or the second beast? the second beast. Remember we learned what the first beast is when you follow all ten characteristics it points it very clearly, pointing to the Roman church system. But it is the second beast that is the threat. Watch what the Bible says right here. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great, what? Signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of all men. Now here's something that we need to be very careful about. A lot of people who understand prophecy tend to look in a certain direction and they're forgetting the things that are happening all around them. One thing you always do is, I, one thing as being a pastor, I'll tell you this, and this does not mean anyway, stop sending me those beautiful emails, I love it, is this. Is a lot of people, whenever they see something on news about the Vatican, they immediately assume that this is the end. They assume that the Sunday law is about to happen. Whenever they see what's happening in the Catholics, they all of a sudden will email me and say, now you need to pay attention to this. This is the end. But there's one thing I know about prophecy, and you know it too, that it is not the first beast that is the threat. You hear what I just said? It is not the first beast alone that is the threat. It is the second beast. While everybody else is just looking over there, into the, looking over there across the sea, watch out for them. The very land that they are on is where the danger is going to come from. Look what Ellen White says here in Great Controversy. Page 588. Through the great two errors, the immortality of the soul and Sunday sacredness, Satan will bring the people under his deceptions. Watch this. The Protestants of the United States will be foremost. Who? It doesn't say Catholics. The Protestants of the United States will be foremost in stretching their hands across the Gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism and will reach over the abyss to clasp hands with the Roman power. Folks, do you realize where the threat's gonna come from? It's not coming across the sea. It's coming from this land. It is when Protestant leaders within the U.S. embrace spiritualism. And folks, I want to let you know something. Spiritualism has taken many different forms. In the past, it might have been wizards and and all sorts of witches, and then it transferred to demon-possessed men, but it has switched again, and guess where it's entered now? Christian churches. In fact, we're also told that Bible writers will be impersonated or personated by evil spirits and lead preachers astray. Now imagine this. Much of the world already embraces the immortality of the soul, the idea that, you know, people are in heaven or hell right now, and all of a sudden, Preacher Joe gets a vision, and in his vision, he sees the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul tells him certain things that he needs to do. You can imagine, uh, Father Riviera, Father Riviera all of a sudden gets a vision of, of the Virgin Mary, and she says, this is what I want you to do. Folks, as we near closer and closer to the end of time, this will explode to the point where we, as Seventh day Adventists, will have to grab our Bibles and we have to say, The only truth that I know is the truth I see in my Bible. Amen? Amen? Amen. Folks, this is going to come. And the truth is not, it's going to be very indistinguishable from error. And unless you know what the scriptures are teaching, you're going to be led astray. Do you remember what even Jesus said talking about end time events? He said, look, when when they say that I'm out in in the closet, or if they say I'm out in the desert, don't go there. You know what he's warning about? Being overwhelmed by your senses. You need to be careful. Jesus is warning. Because when deception comes, you're going to be pushed to your limit. And folks, you know why it's important to walk by faith now? Because we'll have to at the end of time. You know that verse we always quote in our evangelistic series, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they don't speak according to this word, it's because there is no... We always say, that's the time that you need to study your Bible. You need to look at the Bible. Did you know what the previous verse says? Read the previous verse. It's verse 19. It says, don't go after mediums and spiritualists. The context of knowing what the Bible is is teaching and following the Bible is in the context of spiritualism. Folks, this is coming upon us, and it's coming upon us so imperceptibly at first that many of us are being caught unaware. And we need to know, like never before, what the Bible is teaching. We need to know what the spirit of prophecy is advising us because when this comes upon the world, folks, many of us are going to be caught off guard. And we need to know what the Bible says. Amen? Point number two is very important as well and needs to be addressed. Because you know about what happens to people when they die does not make you holy. Amen? It does not make you more righteous than people who don't know what happens to people after they die. Amen? Folks, knowledge is power. But that knowledge should humble us, not make us more proud. I have a lot of friends who preach about certain specialties. Some preach about music. Some preach about the nature of Christ. Some people preach about this particular topic and that particular topic. And I say, good, keep preaching about these things. But there is one thing you need to teach the people, and this is something that Seventh-day Adventists fall into, and it is this, that when they learn these truths, they become self-righteous. The very fact you know what's going to happen at the end doesn't make you any more righteous than the guy who doesn't. Amen? Amen? Folks, with this information... We ought not to beat people over the head with it. We ought to love them. Amen? And share with them these beautiful truths as Christ would. Amen? This is something we need to understand like never before. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, by the very fact you can give a Bible study about spiritualism. Oh, he didn't say that? Are you sure he didn't say that? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Amen? The world ought to know who we are, not by our stances, but by our character. Amen? Now watch what the Bible says right here. A very interesting story found in Ephesians chapter 19. Let's go there very quickly. We're winding down. Ephesians chapter 19. And you're going to see a very interesting story about spiritualism. Ephesians chapter 19. Ephesus was a hotbed of all sorts of different beliefs and strange things. But I want you to pay attention to Ephesians chapter 19. Excuse me, not Ephesians chapter 19. There is Ephesians. No Ephesians chapter 19. You should have caught me. There's Acts chapter 19. Millie, I was testing you. Acts chapter 19. Versus, uh, verse th- Remember when I said to you the deception is going to be so close to the original. <laughs> okay. Acts chapter 19. I caught you guys. Just kidding. I wasn't planning on doing this. Acts chapter 19. And when you're there at verse 13, please say amen. amen. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had, what? Evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you. By by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now pay attention to this. These people are going around, they're exercising demons, but the way they're exercising demons is by saying, we exhort you to leave this man by Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's very interesting. They say, we know about Paul, we don't know a lot about Jesus, but we know Paul knows Jesus. And we exhort you by Jesus whom Paul preaches about. These men don't have a living experience with Jesus. Jesus. All they know is a form. Now watch what happens. Verse 14. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Paul I know, but who are you? These demons said, yeah, we know about Paul. He has a real experience with God. And we know, certainly know about Jesus. But we are not intimidated by you. So let me ask you a question. What are demons intimidated by? What are demons intimidated by? People who have the name of Christ? What's the difference between these exorcists and Jesus and Paul? Paul knew Jesus. And Jesus knew God. But these men didn't have an experience with God. They didn't know him. Now read the rest of the story. It's very interesting. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped leaped upon them, overpowering them, prevailed against them. And so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to both all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now verse 18 is very key. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. And they counted up the value of them. Notice it doesn't say they burned the people who were practicing the works. They burned the books, but not the people. Because that's not what Christians do. Let's look at the rest. And many of them who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, and one piece of silver was a day's wages. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now pay attention to what causes this sort of uh, outbreak of the Word of God going forth with power. It is when the church of Ephesus, when these people begin to remove the spiritualism that was in their lives. You know what was in their lives? Books. Now, you think I'm going to hit the children over the head with this idea about reading books about twilight and all sorts of things, right? I've done that plenty of times. But how many of you have participated in the exact same things you condemn your kids for? Yeah. Folks, you come to series. We, we hit the straight line. Amen? Yeah. We hit the straight line. But when spiritualism was removed from the church, you know what happened? The word of God went out with power. Yeah. And folks, I really believe that we as a church family, have tampered with some things we should not have tampered with. And God is calling us to return to him. He said, let the wicked forsake his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and God will receive him graciously. You don't want to mess with things that are not of God. You don't want to play around with things that are not of God because it may end up too late for you to return to God. I know the whole world believes in this concept of love God, loving God, and I believe that with my whole heart, and that is the foundation of everything. That is what Christianity is. But folks, there's something we need to add to loving God, and that is fearing God. Like the Bible says, fear God and give glory to Him. Amen? We need to respect our Heavenly Father, and when He says things like this, we need to listen to Him. Amen, church family? We need to listen to Him. In all our actions, we need to follow God and say, God, we don't want anything in our house that's impure, and if this is something that you have messed with, get rid of it, burn it, have a bonfire outside, and you say, Lord, I am coming back to you. Amen? And Jesus will receive you graciously. Amen? Folks, if there's ever a time, we need to understand what the Bible is teaching about spiritualism in now. Look what happens from the, the church that Paul wrote to that this occurred. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Show them for what they really are. God is calling us to follow him. Amen? God is calling us to follow him. And folks, we need to know these beautiful truths. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. The same book to the same people. Therefore he says to you, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Are you dead in your spiritual walk today? You know a lot about the, the state of the dead, but you yourself are sleeping too in your, in your spiritual grave. You know, Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good, he came to make dead people alive. Can you say amen to that? And if you roll away the stone of your heart, Jesus will resurrect you. Amen? amen. You know why Jesus wept in John chapter 11? You know why he le- wept? He didn't weep for a dead man who was about to be made alive. He was weeping for all those who were living yet were dead. But if you come to Christ, He will resurrect your spiritual life. If you say, Lord, I feel like my spiritual life is in the grave right now. If you come to Jesus just as you are, He will give life to you. He'll resurrect you. He'll give power to your Christian experience. Folks, I really believe that God is calling for His people to have a renewed commitment to Him, to follow Him, Amen? These are they which follow the Lamb wherever He goes. What's your experience with Christ? What's it been like? You've seen the little children coming to Jesus? And you yourself want that same experience. You don't have to wait. You can come to Jesus now, and He will give you life. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven. Lord, we know that this topic has just been scratched, the surface has just been scratched, God. And understanding this, Lord, we know doesn't make us any more righteous. We are still sinners in need of that precious grace. God, we pray and ask that with these beautiful truths that we understand, we can share them, Lord, as you open up opportunities. God, we know that there is a world out there that wants to know more. Jesus, we love you and we give ourselves to you and we pray for those who are struggling in their walk, those who feel spiritually dead, who feel asleep. God, that they would hear the words of Christ. Awake, you who sleep, arise from the grave and Christ will give you life. Lord, we know with your word there is power. Jesus, may we receive it in our heart the rest of the Sabbath. In your holy name we pray.